From Champaign, Illinois, this is the Jumping the Rail podcast with your hosts, Mark Redmond and Mike Nartolinus. And welcome to the first official episode of Jumping the Rail. This is Mark Redman. I've got my tag team partner, my friend, and I believe the first official graduate of Warrior University, Mike Nargelin, is here. How's it going, <laughs> well, Narge? Pretty good. What's going on, everybody? Oh, this is exciting. we got a lot of stuff to talk about today in the world of pro wrestling. Some good, some bad, some little nerve-wracking. But uh, it's going to be a good time. Uh, thanks to everybody that checked out our first episode that we put out, the little half-hour thing. We... Uh, so we got a few views there. But uh, first things first, I mean, <laughs> so with Raw last night, and I'm going to specify, we recorded this on a Tuesday, so by the time this drops, we will not have seen this week's Dynamite episode, so we're going to be covering stuff from this past week. Which should be fine. We're, there's plenty to talk about, like I said. But for starters, with Monday Night Raw last night, they built up the SummerSlam. We're going to get into that. We're going to get into the in, the uh, New Japan show, Resurgence, on Saturday. There's some stuff, uh, a lot of speculation on that that we're going to get into. Uh, AEW, you know, with the main event last uh, Wednesday, there's a lot of questions to be answered about Cody Rhodes. We're going to get into a little bit there. Uh, got anything else to add there, Narge? No, I think, uh, like you said, with uh, Raw last night, there's a lot to cover. Uh, there are a lot of big news coming out with the releases this past week. I think we wouldn't need to touch mm-hmm. on that for sure. Oh, definitely, yeah. Um, and AEW's got their big Rampage show this Friday. Yeah. Uh, so there's a lot of rumor around that show. And uh, I think that uh, we, uh, we, we've got a full show here. Yeah. So we're going to try to fit as much as we can into 90 minutes. Uh, without kind of going off the rails a little bit, which right. we do have a tendency to do sometimes. We, we do. But, just ask our wives. But we, yeah, that's what I said on Facebook today. Um, <laughs> our wives have sat around and listened to us talk about this for years, and now you all have the privilege of listening to us talk about it now. So. Yeah. <laughs> I think. Um, do we want to get into the news and buzz then? Uh, yeah, sure. Let's. So, uh... Let's take a quick second to let people know that are listening. If you think you might want to sponsor this show, you should probably get in touch with us while we're on the ground floor here. It'd be a <clears throat> nice thing for anybody. We'll mention your business uh, quite oh, yeah. liberally throughout the podcast. Oh, and, definitely. Uh, good opportunity for somebody starting out because we're not looking for much. We're just looking for somebody to help us put names out there and vice versa. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. Hit, hit us up on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, all you got to look for is uh, jumping the rail. Yeah. And the podcast will be heard on Apple. It's already out there. It's on Audible and Amazon. It is out there on Podbean, which is our hosting provider. And we're hoping within the next few days, it'll also be on iHeartRadio, Pandora, and Google Cast, I believe it's called. So we're pretty much hitting everything. And then as we ramp up, we're going to move it so that it'll be available on YouTube and Spotify also. You literally just have to put us in Google, and you will find us. Mark's taking care of it. Yes, so. he's, he does good work, this uh, Marco, our intrepid producer here. 
Scotch connoisseur. <laughs> yes. He does like his... Uh, all right, There's Mark, medicine. so I, I assume you've been perusing the internet, both of you looking for all the news and buzz, and you guys probably have information other people don't, so let's get on that. Yeah, so obviously the big thing to talk about, like Narge alluded to, is the uh, all the releases this past uh, past weekend, uh, mostly from NXT, surprisingly, which uh, from the news it was had nothing to do with Triple H, which really surprised me he had no say in any of these decisions, but... Uh, there were a couple surprises there. Bronson Reed was a big surprise to me. I don't know about you, Narge. Yeah, uh, Bronson Reed would be the, the biggest name, I think, in the group. Uh, I believe there were 12, 13 releases I believe so, yeah. Uh, For the most part, not a lot of uh, people that got on TV all that much lately. No, I think Bronson... Uh, Bobby Fish was the other big name, really, Bobby, got. Bobby Fish. Uh, Mercedes Martinez, uh, when she had time... Yeah, you know. Yeah, she. I mean, she still put a lot of her time in on like Shimmer and all of the indies and everything. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, between that and obviously Bray Wyatt was a big one a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I'm actually looking here. I've got the list of thirteen here. Oh, run that down for me, Narsh. Uh, Bobby Fish, Bronson Reed, Jake Atlas, Ari Sterling, who was getting a lot of time on Two Hundred Five Live, uh, Kona Reeves. Leon Ruff, who was a title holder there for a minute. And for a cup of coffee, to quote Randy Savage. Uh, Stephen Smith. Tyler Rust, who was part of the Diamond Mine gimmick that mm-hmm. they just debuted uh, three, four weeks back. Yeah, give they've take, been yeah. pushing. Uh, Zachariah Smith, Asher Hale, Giant Zangier, and Mercedes Martinez. So, again, a lot of those names folks probably never heard of. Right. But there are some title holders in there. There's some guys that were getting quite a bit of time. Again, this Ari Sterling was getting a lot of time on 205 Live. He actually had a title match right. last week, the same day he was released. So yeah. so the thing that really stuck out to me was uh, the edict that came down from the, from the higher-ups saying that they were going to stop hiring, quote, midgets and guys under 30, which really, or guys over 30, I should say, which surprised me. Over 30 and under 6 feet? I, I think, think something like the... that, yeah. <laughs> Which is, just, it's going to really hamper, A, their, the talent, and B, it's going to, I'm worried it's going to alienate a lot of their viewership because a lot of people are drawn to NXT because it's got that Ring of Honor kind of, not an indie vibe, but, you know, it's like the work rate show on WWE. And no. if they're going to be focusing more on the big guys and trying to just groom people to go to Raw and SmackDown, there's a good chance it's going to turn a lot of people off to the product, which nobody wants to see. No, not at all. NXT is the one that's struggling the most as far as the ratings out of Raw, SmackDown, and AEW. Yeah, and to be fair, though, they had to go against the Olympics the last couple of weeks, so that uh, that's never helpful. No, so, definitely not. The Olympics, and I, they were the, those. They were pre-recorded, right, the last... At least they two were, weeks. They were on sci-fi. They weren't. I don't know if they were pre-recorded, but they were on sci-fi the last two weeks. I thought I'd remember reading some spoilers mm. uh, weeks ahead, so I didn't, I didn't watch. Eh. Uh, I've also heard around the water cooler the fact that the executives at USA aren't real thrilled with the releases. They don't. I guess that's the word is they don't understand why so many people are being let go, um, and how that's going to have an effect on the show going forward. Yeah, which seems to be the. Uh, Modus operandi of uh, Mr. Nick Khan, the president, who seems to be real focused on the uh, on the bottom line. You know, the the buzzword we've been hearing with a lot of the releases is budget cuts, is what they've been saying. 
that's and, that's the word budget cuts um to me it 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 smells like a sale at some point. I, that's a whole episode we could get into at some you, point. But what do you guys think about the idea that maybe this is pandemic related, for lack of a better word? Like they couldn't get as many butts in the seats as they had planned for. I mean, they, if I'm not mistaken, AEW started just before the pandemic, didn't it? They started and then all about, of a sudden got shut down. AEW was up for six months before the pandemic started. So six months into their business plan, where they mm-hmm. planned to basically market and beat WWE somehow. They had to shrink down, and right. I think they actually did the first real good job of putting wrestling back out when they could, didn't they? Uh, they both started doing around the same time. Like they were both doing shows with like their undercard wrestlers in the crowd for right. a while. AEW did have the live bands. That's, that's what I mean. They had, yeah, and that's I think that was they were hoping to help themselves, but maybe right. maybe what you're seeing a lot of is yeah. just. They can't afford to keep them until this really comes back, and as we keep seeing these and ebbs and flows. That's definitely possible. I mean, when you're just focusing on TV ratings and not getting that live gate in, that really does put a big damper mm-hmm. on your on your bottom line. So, Narge, what do you think of the idea that, I mean, you're saying they'd be selling, but if they might be selling themselves, how does that affect you? Because I know you've kind of, kind of moved towards AEW a little, feeling like there was a little more, I don't know, for lack of a better word, real? Um, so I'm an AEW fan. Mark, uh, granted, is not a wrestling fan, so he, not might at have, all. he might have the companies confused. NXT is uh, WWE's mm-hmm. lower model. So that's who mm. we're talking about, NXT. Oh, I thought we were talking about AEW. No, con. No, oh, no, so. Uh, different con. There are two cons. I, oh, I was going to say that's that. my problem. Sorry, no guys. relation. My <laughs> fault. Tony Khan. Ignore everything you've just heard from me. Tony Khan is the guy from AEW. Nick Khan is the president of WWE. Thank you. Are they related? No. No, okay. yeah. So, good con, bad con. Well, <laughs> if, if, we, con, if the soundboard con. was hooked up, there'd be a, <laughs> there'd be a soundboard for this. That'll be coming soon. But this is a good segue. So, th- there's a lot of rumor and shenanigans around all this. But let's talk about the most important thing, and that's these 13 folks that were released. Mm-hmm. Who from that group do you think has the most upside, and where do they go to showcase that? upside that potential well the obvious answer for me is Bronson Reed I mean he's gotten the most TV time in the last several months got a pretty good sized push in NXT as their North American champion and for where I think he should go I think he would benefit best going to New Japan Pro Wrestling he's an Australian guy that'd be I don't know if he's wanting to move back to Australia but if he did it's a short hop and a skip and a jump to Japan there's a lot of Australian talent there Fale from Bullet Club is from New Zealand Jay White's from New Zealand so he's, they've got that foothold in there. And they love Monster Heels in Japan. It goes back to the 70s. You know, think Brody, Hanson, Gordy, all these guys. They love big guys that can work, and Bronson Reed fits that bill. My favorite, Vader. Vader, yeah. Vader was a big fish in Japan. Bigelow, for example. Yeah, I, and nor, I agree with you absolutely that Bronson has the biggest upside. I also agree New Japan is probably the best route. Normally, I'm all about right. AEW grab everybody up, which a lot of people yeah. don't agree with. I don't agree with that because at some point, somebody's going to get shuffled aside that shouldn't, if that's the case. With WWE, I've said forever, they have way too many wrestlers on their roster. A lot of people don't get TV time, wind up getting released. But if Tony gets a wild hair and decides to start scooping all these guys up, he's going to have the same problem as... WWE does. No, Even I, if you I have four shows, it's going to, you know. 
he has that now. I mean, I you tune in to Dark or Elevation, and there are guys that you've never seen. Yeah. Uh, well, the thing is, not, guys. A, not everybody on his show was under contract, though. No, correct. Yeah, there's a lot of indie guys. I know I just read the results the other night. Uh, RSP, who I enjoy from oh, Game Changer Wrestling. Best heel in the company. He wrestled a dark match. Uh, can't recall who it was against, but he was on the dark match. Yeah, so, yeah. And maybe, a, uh, maybe get a 4-4-0 presence in uh, AEW coming up? I, I wouldn't mind seeing it. The one guy, we'll talk about it down the road again, is Mance Warner. He hasn't done anything on either of these shows. His I, tag team partner, I, who he's champion with, Matthew Justice, Matthew Justice has. Yeah. So. I will say this. I think Mance Warner's the biggest, hottest free agent in the indies that has not gotten the spotlight from anybody. Absolutely. That's a guy who uh, I've talked to Mark about, and I'd like to get him on the show at some oh, yeah. point. So, so uh, yeah, push Mance Warner, that. if you are listening, we might be in touch with you. <laughs> uh, for Real- me, of the releases... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, because we got to move on to calling spots in a second, but I did want to ask you guys about one release that even I know about, and it happened the week ago. But since it's the first podcast, it's the release of Ric Flair. The what's he called, Mister Wonderful or Mister no, Beautiful? Or? The Nature Boy. The Nature, Nature Boy. Boy. Mister Wonderful guy, right? Mister Wonderful's the late great Paul Orndorff who passed away a couple weeks ago. But Woo, right? Woo, That's, yeah. Again, you'll have a button. There you go. I will eventually have that button. It's on here. <laughs> yes, but what yeah. do you guys think about that release? And do you think he's done now, or do you think I, it's scripted? What do you guys think? Well, we both came across something today where Booker T was talking about how Ric Flair wants to wrestle again, which scares me to death. It's not a good idea. No. I'm I'm a huge Ric Flair marker. I've got him tattooed on my arm. You do. Uh, Photos will be on the webpage you soon. Met, you met the man. You got to sign your uh, your title belt. I've met him. I he's he's. An icon. He's a legend. But he has no business in a wrestling ring right now. Absolutely no business in a wrestling ring. I have zero issue if he goes to AEW and he joins up with Arn and Tully and they do some sort of uh, nostalgia thing. I don't think he wants to do full-time anymore. I think he wants to just come and go. Throw a punch, put somebody in the figure four, but he doesn't need to be taking bumps. I, I think he would do well going to the NWA and making appearances. Oh, absolutely. I think he Have you had to do NWA. a promo with Aldis? Come on, that'd be great. Oh, absolutely. Yep. Who doesn't get nearly enough to do in my buy is a national treasure, Nick Aldis, the world heavyweight champion in the NWA. Great promo, great work, everything. So hopefully he gets to... I've been waiting for him to show up in AEW and fight Cody again because they need a rubber match. They're one and one over the last three or four years. Hey, the good, the good con, Tony, he is the... Uh... <laughs> He has the, the what, what's he call himself? The Oh, the Forbidden Door? The Forbidden Door. It's always there. So Yeah. All right. Let's move on, guys. Let's go to the next uh, segment here. It, uh, we call the segment Calling Spots, and uh, the decision is that we want to discuss, did the five labors of Jericho live up to the build? And we'll let Narge start off with his opinion here. Um, I've enjoyed it so far, I'll be honest. Uh and I, I've enjoyed it for a couple of reasons. Two, two uh, well, one, one of my favorite guys on the independent scene right now got his his mainstream shot, and that's Nick Gage. Nick Gage is, um, he's not for everybody. I know that. People will listen to this and Domino's like, hates him. Yeah, Domino's <laughs> definitely doesn't like him. But Nick Gage is maybe the most buzzworthy name out there now because oh, yeah. of Vice's Dark Side of the Ring. Right. Cardona. Um, Matt Cardona. GCW is has a groundswell of support that that I've told you is almost ECW-like. Oh, definitely. They bring in 
legends randomly. Ricky Morton is there. Yeah. Uh, Too Cold Scorpio. If, if, if you are listening to this and if you are interested in something outside of mainstream wrestling, I suggest checking out Game Changer Wrestling, GCW. I'll tell you what, the fans alone make it worth watching when you watch the shows. It's the, the most, probably the most rabid fan base in wrestling right now is the GCW crew. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, just in, for AEW to jump on the back of that, Nick, Tony Khan, not Nick, oh, see, Mark's got me all sorts of confused here. Uh, My apologies. For, for Tony to jump on the back of that, he knew what he was getting into. Nick, Nick lost the belt to Matt Cardona. That's all the internet was talking about. Which was huge for the company because that's going to get more eyes on them in the long run. Absolutely. So when he brought Nick Gage over, the, the name was already getting around. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that did a ton for Nick Gage. Chris Jericho went in there. He wrestled, fought the best match that he possibly could. A match that he is not, He's not accustomed a to doing. No. So that's of the three we've had so far, that was my favorite. Mm -hmm. The Juventud Guerrera match, I think we both agree there was some work to be done there. Hoovy eventually, they got into a flow, but it took some time, mm -hmm. and I think the word we used was sloppy. It was just, yeah, it was kind of a car wreck at the beginning. I don't know the Spanish word for sloppy, but I would say that <laughs> to apply to Juventud Guerrera. See, as far as I'm concerned, I think they missed with the five labors. I mean, the first one, you know, was kind of a no-brainer, Sean Spears and Cher match. It's, it's the gimmick, he's with the pinnacle, it's perfect. I think they should have waited on Gage. I mean, I know he was hot at the moment with the match with Cardona and everything, but you can't go from an insane death match with pizza cutters and light tubes to, oh, we're going to do a lucha match with two 50-year-old guys who can barely get on the top <laughs> rope anymore. And then, like I said, we have, we're have we recording this the day before Dynamite, so we don't know what happened with Labor Number 4 with Wardlow, which should be a good match. Wardlow's damn good for as new as he is. So let me let me say this. I guess he is doing Wardlow, and one of the, the side things was that MJF's gifts to being ringside. Hasn't he been ringside for... He's been on commentary. Okay. It's, I'll do it till it's 10 extra feet, Mark. That's true. <laughs> uh, for me, yeah, the Sean Spears was forgettable. I enjoyed Nick Gage. It was Gage. solid. Spears was solid. is good. Spears is better than people give him credit for. His personality isn't quite there for me, so that's something yeah. we probably won't agree on. I, and he's I'd got rather, a hot wife. I'd, I was about to say, I'd rather <laughs> see his wife in, in the ring. I think she's got more personality. I think she's coming at some point, and so is her tag partner. But again, that's here and there. What labor would you rather have Saul, and which one would it replace? I would take out Hoovy, just because I mean, it's just a callback to 25 years ago with two guys that aren't half as good as they were back then. I mean, Jericho's still great in the ring, but he's not Lionheart anymore doing lucha matches. I would replace that with one of two. I would either bring in Lance Storm, his old tag team partner from the Thrill Seekers, have a, like a submission match, Yep. which I would always want to see Storm in a submission match. Or I would have had him go against another member of the inner circle, like a Hager or Sammy Guevara, with the caveat that the other guys, like the guy can't lay down for Jericho or else everything is out the window and he doesn't get his match. I like both of those. I, I know we both agreed on Lance Storm. Lance Storm yeah. has said at, in many interviews that he's not retired mm -hmm. until he gets to wrestle Chris Jericho. That's who he wants That's his, his retirement match, match against. The one I threw out to you that I, th I think could have worked had they not built him up so much as a babyface on his 
arrival was Paul White. Mm. Um, him and Jericho yeah. had Jericho and WWE. I think they're neighbors. They, they may be. <laughs> I, Mark knows way more than I do about who's neighbors with who. But um, I felt like that was an opportunity for Paul White for Paul White to get in the ring. But again, he would have had to take a loss, and maybe that's not what right. they want. I think they're saving Paul for something big. No pun intended. So, I think the labors, it, it, this is an article that I read the other day that, like somebody said, he Jericho's going through all of this for a rematch? Yeah. And that's really it. I think it, maybe it was me and you, we talked about it. Why didn't he just jump him in the back? If he wants revenge, just beat him up right. in the back, jump him. What What was the point of going through four guys just for a rematch? Now, if it was set up to be a number one contender match, or, right. or Even maybe... If you want to... Put the, the pinnacle dis- diamond ring on the line or something. Yeah, you know. or the the pinnacle has to disband or something, right. or the inner circle dis. You know, right? We, we, there has to be more of a gimmick to it. There's not much of a gimmick. So, as far as I'm concerned, this whole angle MJF and Jericho, I didn't hear anything. Is uh, I think they've there's a term I've uh, come up with for uh, Tony Khan, and that's fast food booking, which is basically hot shot in the angle which i it's one of my pet peeves is when you hot shot something that could really work for a long period of time because they went they put the group together the pinnacle it was great how they did it they did it almost perfect with the uh teasing breaking up the inner circle but then three weeks later they're doing a war games match the blood and guts match that's something you got to build to like, if you go back to 1987, which this isn't the last time we'll mention 1987 today, the uh, horsemen against the superpowers and the road warriors was something that went almost a year before Dusty came up with the war games concept. And they sold out the Great American Bash for who knows how many nights in a row doing war games. Okay. And almost killed poor J.J. Dillon in the process. But, I mean, they got that over by building the heat, which they didn't really have a lot of time to build the heat between the pinnacle and the inner circle in this case. Yeah, and unfortunately, I think that's just not AEW. That all wrestling companies suffer from that these days. Yeah, there's that's true. there's not a lot of long-term build for anything. It's all, I mean, look at our SummerSlam main event. They've built that in two weeks. Hey, Goldberg shows up. Goldberg's, uh, you know, feels offended. I mean, how many times are we going to go through this story with Goldberg where, hey, I'm the tough guy and I get a shot because I'm Goldberg. Right, just, right. Uh, for me, I, I agree. The, the build could be that, you know, Tony and Tony's tried it. He did it with Sting and Darby. I mean, they, they built Sting and built Sting. And then, and now Sting's kind of an afterthought. But Sting's window dressing at this point. He's there again. Oh, Sting. Right, uh, right. You know, so they need, like I said before, they need to turn him heel on Darby. Just really, just push that up to eleven. Which they could, but now with with Flair coming, I now we don't know that he's coming. You're yeah. you're, you're speculating again, there, Nars. I'm looking in the crystal ball, and I did. <laughs> you know, you have to assume any time somebody gets released. So here's well, my question: If Flair goes to AEW. And he butters up Tony enough to get him to agree to put him in the ring. There's got to be a match with Sting there, right? Even if it's just a like a blow off kind of just maybe maybe like Vince Bret Hart Mania Street Fight sort of something deal, something like that. Oh yeah, yeah. or Sting and Hogan so. from Impact in 2011. You know, you know what I thought here. I, we, we mentioned release, and I hate to go back, but I feel terrible that we missed this one. People are going to roast us for not talking about it. Mm-hmm. 
Bray Wyatt. Yeah. We did not mention that Probably the biggest earlier. out of the entire, our all the reasons going to be mad because I'm bouncing back to a previous segment on our first episode, but. You, you have a minute and then we're <laughs> moving on to the next segment. I think we've moved on from the labors, <laughs> but let's real quick, let's, let's cover the fiend Bray Wyatt. Sure. Where does he go, Mark? Is he done? His post yesterday, he posted last night on Twitter. That yeah, he they, said that the whole story about mental health issues was bunk. That that wasn't the case, which makes me think budget cuts is actually the reason why it happened. I've heard that he might like all the everything I hear is unconfirmed, just wild speculation. So I try not to spread it out too much. But there are people saying that he's gonna he wants to retire and spend time with his kids. There are some people that think he's going to go join Cody in AEW because the uh, history between the Wyndhams and the and the Rhodes. Yeah, his Twitter 23 hours ago posted a uh, very demonic-looking illustration, <laughs> and all it says is, you can't kill it. So yeah, which makes me wonder. what it's worth. I mean, I wonder, does WWE has to own the image and the likeness of the Fiend, the character, so I don't think he can take the mask and the gimmick to AEW, even if it's under a new name. But Bray's going to work. If he if he wants to work, he can do anything. He's a real creative guy, hell of a worker, great promo. I mean, he's got all the tools that you need. He's a big guy that can move, which is one of my favorite things in wrestling. But no matter where he goes, and smart money is probably AEW because they'll pay him, which is what it boils down to. The cons have more money than anybody. Well, I mean, he's one of the biggest names in wrestling. That as too. far as merchandise goes, he was one of the top sales. Yeah. Tony, if Tony's going to spend the money, he believes he's going to make the money back, and I right. think that's right where that's at. So I, I apologize for jumping around. I'll try not to do that a whole lot, but that's one of those I know we'd get roasted if we didn't talk about right. it. Um, the best part is it's a conversation, and nobody else gets into it. Yeah, you can see us at a bar any weekend, and our wives are sitting at a table bored out of their minds while we're huddled together talking about all this stuff anyway. Just, just yell shots once in a while, and they understand. Right. <laughs> That'll shut us up. Yep. <laughs> so, so I think what we've got, well, I'm going to cut you off here, Mark. Go ahead and have a drink there, Mark. <laughs> I'll take a minute to take a drink. We're going to move on to another section that we've got here called Rights and Wrongs. Um what that's kind of going to do, we're going to cover some of the companies out there. Uh, we're going to focus on WWE, AEW, and uh, some of the other folks out there, Yeah, uh, whether it be independent, New Japan. Yeah, we're not going to break down specific shows just because we're an every-other-week podcast, so it'd be impossible to get everything all lined up. But Now, there I, are... I want to interject a question because I just thought of this, and I'll forget by the end of the day. Shoot. <clears throat> Is there a... And politically incorrect statement here, but is there a midget wrestling organization that's like nationally known? I mean, we've had traveling troops come through our area, but not like is there a an organization? Not like a mainstream organization. Like I said, there's a, there's a, like a promotion that will travel and do like perform at bars or, you know. Right, yeah, like I've that. seen those. Has has any of the bigger promotions ever had like a, they've, they've a, had a, a stable of people that they could work with like that? Uh, not a stable. They've There have been small people like Hornswoggle's the biggest star out of like the uh, quote-unquote midget community. And okay. You know, we'll get bricked over the coals mm-hmm. for that probably, but we don't care. There's no room for political incorrectness in uh, wrestling. <laughs> What about Lucha, Lucha Libre? Lucha Libre, in Mexico especially, there's a lot of, they call them minis in Mexico. Yeah, like, no, no, I was not referring to the midget. I was talking about just Lucha Libre. You guys are talking about you know rights and wrongs. 
Will you guys be getting into any of that, or is that something uh, you'll some look point. at? Uh, we don't have anything lined up for it today, but cool. I'm sure there will be things that pop up. Although, cool. I do think we should uh, reference uh, who was the uh, fellow that passed away this past week, Narge, uh, the luchador, I forget his name. The Super Porky? Super Porky, thank you. I couldn't remember his name. But yeah, he passed away, and there was a lot of uh, love out on Twitter and social media for him, so just want to give him a quick shout-out, uh, RIP Super Porky. Yeah. But, uh, oh, sorry, good. No, yeah, I was going to say, unfortunately, the last couple of weeks have been rough uh, as far as losing wrestlers yeah. and promoters, managers, things like that. So yeah. hopefully here, uh, hopefully that's behind us. And, you know, yeah. we're going to miss a lot of those guys. Oh, yeah. we're, we're big fans. So so with the rights and wrongs segment, like I said, we're going to focus on several different uh, territories. <laughs> Listen, to me, sound like an old man territories. But, like, for starters, as far as, like, WWE goes, we're on the uh, we're on the road to SummerSlam in two weeks. I think it's a week from this coming Saturday, which is weird to me that it's on a Saturday. But uh, they're doing it in Vegas at the Allegiant uh, Allegiant Stadium, the Raiders' home, which looks like a giant Roomba to me. But uh, they've announced yesterday, on top of the matches they've already got booked, which is like Lashley and Goldberg, Cena and Roman. Let me get my. Uh, we got the women's triple threat. Women's triple threat. Rhea Ripley, Charlotte Flair, Nikki and ASH. Nikki and ASH. Then you got the. They've announced. Uh, I think the Usos are going to defend against the Mysterios for the tag titles. I think is what they announced. Uh, they got Bianca and Sasha, which is going to be hell of a good match. Yeah, I think. if it's like WrestleMania, we're in for a treat there. That was my mm-hmm. favorite match of WrestleMania. Yeah. And the one I'm looking forward to most is Edge and Rollins. That's a match they've talked about for years. Those yeah. are guys that often are, compared. So. There aren't a lot of dream matches in WWE anymore, but that definitely qualifies in my book. And then last night they announced uh, Sheamus will be defending the U.S. title against Damian Priest at SummerSlam. Yeah, that felt kind of rushed and put together. Uh, um, I don't know. I mean, they, they've stretched that over a couple weeks, I think. Considering the time crunch they're on, I think it works. Yeah, I mean, as much it just as much as he's been messing with uh, the Miz. And Morrison, and it's a miracle. Miss stood up on he Monday. Did, yeah, apparently he. May, I <laughs> don't know if he's released or if he's healthy. He's obviously healthy enough to stay in though. And so. and run away. He ran away from yeah. Damien Priest. But uh, yeah, that, I I still say I don't think there's anybody better on Raw than the Miz right now. Between not even with his work, just what he does on at ringside for Morrison is entertaining as hell to me. And he made a meal out of a wheelchair, like any good cowardly heel would, just uh, go out and play softball at the All-Star game, but then come back and, no, I still need my wheelchair, you know? I don't think The Miz gets enough credit for who he is uh, as a company man. He he was hurt. He could have easily taken the time off, and from what I understand, he told them he didn't want to take the time off. Right. He wanted to work this into his... Into the story, yeah. At the end of the story. So g- kudos to Miz. I, yeah. you know, there were many years where I was not a Miz fan, but it, he has grown on me, and he's, I, from what I understand, he's one of the the favorites to the brass at oh, WWE. Yeah. So I don't think Miz gets nearly enough credit for the work he put in since what was it, two thousand six, two thousand seven, when he debuted with WWE. So he's been there for almost fifteen years, and. Yeah, he got a lot of flack for not being a good worker, being an obnoxious douche, which kind of fit with his character. But he evolved, became a world champion, an intercontinental champion. He held every title in the company 
and that's off of his work rate, not just because he's popular in the back or he does all the appearances for Vince, which does go a long way in getting you and good with the boss to do all the PR and the TV and everything like that. But uh, the other thing I did want to mention, and we kind of touched on it a little bit in the uh, first part of the show, was the changes to NXT. And they've announced, Tony Khan announced that he did not offer Adam Cole a contract yet on Twitter. I'm going to cut you off. I, I think Adam Cole would be absolutely insane to stay with WWE at this point. You think so? Based on everything that's been said, Adam Cole fits right into that demographic of, or that, that build of wrestler that they do not want. Um, I mean, his wife is a superstar in AEW. True. No, I agree. He's a perfect fit for AEW. But on the other hand, you're nuts if you turn down a million-dollar contract. I mean, I don't know if Tony Khan's going to offer him a million dollars. I just I don't see Vince McMahon offering him a million dollars. I mean, just cut your highest merchandise seller. You let him go? Yeah. And you're going to sign the guy who's been on NXT for the last... Yeah. I mean, the, uh, the notion that they would offer an NXT guy a million dollar contract is insane to me. But that's the number that keeps popping up in the news from, I think, Meltzer... Uh, and that, well, like, reported I'll it. stop you right there. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I, I take a uh, grain of salt the size of a salt lick to anything Meltzer says, but all the, you know, the quote-unquote dirt sheets, they have all their theories and everything like that. If it was just work alone, I agree with you, Cole should go to AEW. But if the price is right, Cole can put the work in with WWE, and he can work with anybody. He can, but I think Vince is going to stick him backstage chasing Reggie and our truth around. That's, at some that's point, the fear. That's, that's definitely the, uh, the worry. So, moving on from WWE, because I mean, we could talk about this stuff for hours. We mentioned Rampage starting on Friday on TNT for AEW. And they were smart. They're putting it on at 9 o'clock after SmackDown's off the air instead of trying to just go head to head with. SmackDown, because, you know, they're probably the highest ratings getter on WWE right now. They are. Based on what I saw today, they did almost 2 million views last week, which is a million more than Raw and Mm -hmm. AEW. So SmackDown being on Fox, definitely getting the most eyes Mm -hmm. on the product. And I think you would agree. I think it's got the best storylines. And maybe, you know, as far as the the three brands, I think NXT is kind of your go-to as far as work rate. But... SmackDown has perhaps the best worker in the business right now, the best heel. Mm-hmm. That's Roman best, Reigns. Yeah, best manager. And the best manager. I mean, Roman Reigns is doing everything right. Yeah. So Absolutely. And then you've got a great supporting cast there with Big E, Rollins, Edge, Mysterio. I, Despite his problems he's had lately, I think the Usos are the best tag team in the world as far as putting in the work, the chemistry, you know, the legacy. There, there are very few tag teams in their league right now. So I take a drink of my beer. Right. This is a, a PSA to the Usos <laughs> that they should put down their beers and continue uh, to be one of the greatest tag teams in the world. Yep. At some point, Jimmy, Jay, they've got to come together. They have to have a conversation mm-hmm. because one is going to affect the other. Um uh, 
they're lucky. Let's be honest. They're lucky at this point. A lot of other employers, I think other companies mm-hmm. would have cut ties a long time ago. The Anawai family goes a long way with the McMahons, which I think goes, which shows with how lenient they've been with Jimmy in this. Uh, and I'm not trying to lessen anything. I mean, it's a, he's got problems and he's had problems for a while and I hope he, uh, he gets over them and gets back to work because he's, uh, he's damn good in the ring. And yeah, I mean, the Usos are like the head shrinkers minus 150 pounds, if oh, you yeah. think about it. But uh, yeah, there's the only tag team that really could really match up with them in WWE for a long time was the Revival, you know, FTR and AEW now. But the tag team division has kind of suffered in the last year or so between injuries and, uh, you know, they lost 2.0 from NXT going to AEW. They lost FTR going to AEW. And it just seems like their tag division has been devalued, which bothers me because I'm a big tag team guy. You know me. Oh, yeah. I mean, we talked about the Midnight Express for probably 20 minutes last week. And, yeah, if you go back to, like, the old Southern Territories, their tag team work, it's just phenomenal. And I look for that in the new the new shows, and I'm not always seeing that. No, I mean, there's no. some. There's some really good tag teams, but uh, for the most part, it just seems like a lot of them are just thrown together. Um, yeah, I, the tag WWE's tag team has always kind of been a hot mess. I mean, majority of the time, their tag teams are guys thrown together. You've seen that on Raw with... RK bro and yeah, uh, which they're entertaining too. Oh yeah. But let's let's get back to AEW. We were talking about Rampage. That that debuts Friday. What do you expect from the first one on Friday? I know I know what I expect from the second one in Chicago. But what do you expect from the first one? Yeah. Uh, well, I think Britt's working with Red Velvet on the first Rampage, right? And I believe that's the match that they announced. In yeah. Pittsburgh, which is her hometown, so she's going to get a big pop from the crowd there. Which, with Britt, number one, she's a fantastic heel. I mean, she's great at getting heat, and people love to hate her. But the problem with when people love to hate you, eventually that devolves into people just loving you. And then they lose a heel, and she becomes the biggest baby face in the company. Yeah, and I think that's the line they're telling. I mean, with... WWE did that with Sasha for a very long time, mm-hmm. and Britt. I mean, the, the they tried it with Becky too. Yeah, no, Be- yeah, Becky, absolutely. Not the death match, but the hardcore match she had with Thunder Rosa went a long way for the crowd yeah. to really get behind mm-hmm. her. I mean, I've got the shirt at home; it's yeah. one of my favorite shirts. <laughs> um, she's busted open, great right. color, just oh, yeah. worked her ass off. Oh, yeah. And she continues to do that week in and week out. I think she announced a week or so ago that she was injured, but she wasn't taking time off. She's right. going to continue to work through it. I mean, well, she's, she's a tough chick, man. She's doing a lot of stuff that the fans are going to get behind. So yeah. that, that's going to be a good match. Let me ask you this about Rampage. This is one thing that's going to bother me. The four-man announced team. Oh, I hate the idea of a four-man announced team. Three is a little much to me. A three of them being uh, former in-ring competitors, right? It's, right, it's... Uh... Let's see. Tony's the lead, right? He's the play-by-play? Uh, yeah. Tony. And then you got Mark Henry, Big Show, and Jericho, I think they said, right? That uh, No, Taz is one Taz. of them. Taz, uh, okay. Big Show, where Paul White is on 
He's elevation. on elevation. Okay, so it's Taz, Jericho, and Mark Henry. Yeah, so what that sounds like to me is three guys trying to get their spots in with, with Tony trying to do his thing. It's right. gonna, it's going to be a lot. Um, I, I hope at some point they cut it down. I don't a even four like man a three-man team, team. A four-man team on an hour-long show is just bad news to me. I think two-man... If it was just Tony and... Even Tony and Jericho, I think it would be gold. I think it would be great. No, yeah, and they've proven that before. Oh, Jericho's yeah. really good. Taz isn't bad. I was never a huge Taz fan. Uh, I like Taz in the ring. I was never a big fan of his commentary, but he does a good job, though. Yeah, and you know, Mark Henry, we've heard him on Busted Open. He right. does okay. I, I don't know that I've ever heard him do play-by-play. So, or no, he'd be doing color, color. but yeah. I don't think he's ever done it. But no, he does great on Busted Open. I um, do we do we expect any debuts at Rampage? There's a lot of so I'm gonna throw this out here before I even ask you. I think. I don't know if he's scheduled. If Miro is scheduled, I think this is where we get Lana. It makes the most sense based on the other debuts that could possibly be coming. I'm going to break those down real quick. Sure. Yeah. I think we see Lana at the first Rampage. Okay. I think we see Daniel Bryan at All Out. I think we see CM Punk before Daniel Bryan at Rampage in Chicago. Now, see, I think we see Punk at All Out. I think, you think they save, save him? I think they save him for a pay-per-view. and Get him the big pop in the big building, you know? Uh, I can, United Center's a bigger building, though. That's true. That That's the only thing. And it, somebody had said online that they, you know, it, it's happening. So it is happening. Has this it officially is, been confirmed I, he signed with AEW? I, I mean, I think we're 95% that he's coming back. Because so. he's keeping up. He hasn't said anything. Tony Khan hasn't said anything officially that he's been signed. Which is good. They haven't said anything about Which the I love that either, because but. I think that's going to kind of fall into something in a couple minutes. But, uh, but yeah, if... Punk comes in, it's going to be in Chicago. Either way, you cut it, he's going to be doing it in yeah, Chicago. Yeah, if it's not Rampage, it's going to be, it's going to be all, all out. I, I, what I really think with the Adam Page being left out of the title picture, which is where they seem to be leading, I really think they insert CM Punk into the title match right away. I think Punk shows up at Rampage. I think that's a mistake. Punk and Kenny Omega were getting it at all out. I, t- Tony's all in. He's laying all the cards on the table I think right away. They've already announced... Omega and Christian for all out, haven't they? Uh, I don't believe so. I know Christian's the they number one Christian's contender. Now, Christian contender. said that he was coming for him, I believe, actually Friday at Rampage. He he was showing up. Hmm. Okay. So I don't know that that I, match has been officially announced. I, I don't think they need to put Punk in a match. I, I could see them making him like a referee for a match to introduce him. I mean, am I at the risk of overshadowing the guys in the ring with him? Because I'm sure there'd be... Your, your obligatory CM Punk chants going off everywhere. I mean, that's the thing. Tony has to know that the crowd is going to want it, it. It's they're going to have to do something with him, otherwise they're going to they're going to fall to the chance. So, something that could work is have him come out and do a pipe bomb. I mean, at the risk of using another buzzword, you know, if he came out and cut a promo, just to remind people who he is, because he's been gone for seven years from pro wrestling. I mean, he had the little dance with MMA for a couple of years, but TV audiences haven't seen CM Punk since the Royal Rumble in 2014. No, yeah, I mean, it's been a while. So there, there are going to be folks who, who are the, who's this guy? Right. There are going to be others that they've been waiting for this for a long yeah. time. So And there's definitely opponents in AEW tailor-made for CM Punk when he gets there. Oh, yeah, there's there are a lot of dream matches. Mm-hmm. From what I understand, what I read is he's in great shape, and 
he would be ready to work. Uh, speaking of, but but does the CM Punk overshadow Brian Danielson in Chicago? Yeah, definitely. I think I would be surprised if Danielson waited until Arthur Ashe in New York in September. Wouldn't be a bad idea. Spread him out, you know. That way, you get the punk pop that gets they digest punk, and then once that settles, boom! Final countdown. Here comes Danielson to Arthur Ashe Stadium. Is there any chance that Punk debuts and Brian comes out to spoil it? And they try to put them together right from the start. You, two guys, not AEW guys, but that's a match that you're a Ring of Honor fan. You know yeah, that's a... That's a great match. I've seen that match. So do we bring Brian in as a heel? Brian, Daniel Brown looks great as a heel. A great heel, yeah. That could be, I mean... There, there's I so much what, what could. I think they're going to bring Danielson as a baby face just to build to Omega. Because at I some mean, point that's got to happen. Absolutely, you know Omega, need, but Omega's already—he's got so many guys. We've got to figure this out at some point because I think your loyal AEW, your fans from the start—they want Adam Page. They do. Yeah, they want he's him. He's their guy. Yeah. But but then you've got the other ones that love Punk, and then you're going to have the casuals that love Brian Danielson. Yeah. You know Brian Danielson appeals to the the fan. The, I mean. He didn't leave the sport. He didn't badmouth the sport. No. He stayed the whole time. Yeah. He, I mean, he came back. One of the greatest comebacks of all time. Great so, comeback. Uh, uh, so, speaking of AEW, on Saturday, New Japan is having their resurgence event in Los Angeles. And I'm going to run this down because it's actually a really good card here. So, for starters... Uh, Lance Archer, who's the IWGP U.S. champion from AEW, is defending against Tanahashi, which is going to be awesome. Because you know me, I love Tanahashi. Yeah, they cut that promo, what, uh, two weeks ago? I think two weeks ago, yeah. Uh, Jay White, who's been making appearances in Impact the last few weeks, is going to defend his the uh, Never Openweight Championship against David Finley, uh, who a lot of people may recognize his dad, Fit Finley, the Belfast Bruiser. He's one half of what? Finn Juice, Finn right? Finn Juice Who, with uh, Juice Robinson. Were the Impact Tag Team Champions yeah. for a minute. Mm-hmm. Then you got uh, Tomohiro Ishii, who looks like a fire hydrant in Japan. He's very uh, good, strong style guy. Taking on Moose from Impact, which should be interesting. Which I've seen Moose work Japanese guys, and he does well with that. He teamed with Okada for a long time in Ring of Honor. Moose is one of my favorites. He's really gotten... Uh, his look down. He's mm-hmm. in great shape. Oh, yeah. I, I love Moose. I saw Moose at an indie show a couple years back and one of the best drop kicks in the business. Yeah. So the uh, six man tag team match here, it's got a lot of the uh, what they call the Young Lions in New Japan from the dojo, but it's Rocky Romero and a couple of their, and one of their Young Lions, Fred Rosser and Wheeler Yuta. Taking on TJP, Rin Narita, who's on his excursion from Japan, and Clark Connors from the LA Dojo. And, and uh, yeah, so that should be interesting. You do a good job getting the young guys over with Japan. The uh, next match, Violence Unlimited from Ring of Honor, Brody King and Chris Dickinson are uh, teaming the up. The Dirty Daddy. The Dirty Daddy. Teaming up with Leo Rush, who came back from his retirement early. And Fred Yehi and Yuamura, who's another young lion, against Team Filthy from uh, Tom Lawler from MLW, 
Yeah, Filthy, Filthy Tom, former Filthy UFC Tom. competitor. And he's got uh, Danny Limelight, J.R. Kratos, Royce Isaacs, and Jarrell Nelson. So that should be a hell of a match. And then the other match on here is two Young Lions, Coughlin and Carl Fredericks, which will be solid. But the big one here is the Good Brothers from Impact, the tag champs, Gallows and Anderson taking on Moxley and a mystery partner. Who do you think is going to be his mystery partner? Well, I don't, I don't want to. I think we both agree on this. Um, that it's signed for an indie show here in a couple of weeks, mm-hmm. but I think it's going to be Sammy Callahan, that's right. his former Switchblade Conspiracy. Yep. So I think I think that's the one that makes the most sense. Yeah, I mean the obvious pick is Kingston because they're tag team regular, but I think they're building for something big. And Callahan would be that, and they got Impact guys on the show, so why not have Callahan? Yeah. So the whole it all it all works together. I know that's something they've been wanting to do for a while. Uh-huh. It's unfortunate an indie promotion spoiled it by saying that they'd they're be back together for the first. But yeah. I think this will be the first time they're back together. Yeah, yeah. But uh, they do great as a team. They got great chemistry together. I saw them on a show in Plainfield, Illinois, and uh, it was a six-man tag where they did a street fight with uh, a tag team called the Hooligans in IWA Mid South. I remember. I've, I've heard of the Hooligans. Yeah. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, they're great as a team. I mean, we haven't seen it in 10 years almost. But, you know, Moxley's a natural tag team guy. Callahan can work with anybody. He can get, especially if they wind up doing some sort of a hardcore style in this match. It'll, best thing it'll Callahan, be really entertaining. best thing Callahan ever did was leave NXT. They were, they were going to waste him. They were going to run him. Yep. Uh, he is not the build for Vince. I mean, Impact is Callahan's show. It really yep. was for mm-hmm. a very long time, and he's still he's still right there in the mix. So yep. um, I mentioned a minute ago, you know, and I think you did the internet kind of hot and heavy with who the rumor is for this. Mm-hmm. That's going to be a nice segue into our next section here, I think. But the internet. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I think we're up to the best part of the show, actually. <laughs> <clears throat> so... If you've been friends with these guys long at all, you know they both have very strong opinions about the wrestling. Well, this little segment we call Heat and Shine, and here's the thing. We're going to come up with a subject, and they're going to debate each other. One of them is going to take the, what we would call the positive approach, and one of them is going to take the negative approach. They're literally going to come up and support their ideas. Tonight, the magic question is, is the internet ruining pro wrestling? Mark, are you taking the yay or the nay side of this argument? You know, I like a challenge, so I'm going to take the yay. So Mark believes that the internet, not, not personally, but he is going to take up the side tonight of the internet is ruining pro wrestling. Mike Narge will take up the other side. Mark, go ahead with your hypotheses. You have five minutes. So there's a lot of bad about the internet in wrestling between... Dirt sheets, you know, we always talk about Meltzer and Wade Keller and Alvarez, all these guys that spread the gossip and stir things up and get all the fans worked up and everything. But for all the bad, there is good in there, which is the streaming. You know, you can see anything you want to on on the Internet. Like if you don't want to watch USA or Fox, you go to the Fight Network, you go to Peacock, you go to Hulu, you can see everything on there which is great for the wrestling business because it gives guys and girls out there a lot of exposure that they haven't had in the last, I don't know, 25 years since uh, since ECW and WCW closed down because there were always those guys getting the occasional shot on, like, Impact. 
but nobody knows who they are. Now with Fight and all these streaming channels, IWTV is a great one. They have all of the independent promotions, videos on there, Chikara, IWA, Deep South, Mid-South, uh, CZW, you name them, they, they're on there. And you can see all of the shows and see a lot of these young guys, especially the young guys from AEW that you'd never heard of before, and backtrack to where they started from. So you can get a really good vantage of what they were, what they did before, what they're capable of in the future. The big thing for me, and yeah, it's just like I said, I I hate spoiling things on the internet and giving away like who was at the airport at the show the day before. But I also see the merit in it to a, to an extent where. Yeah, I mean, if it wasn't for the internet, a lot of people in the wrestling business would be unknown to an even bigger scale than they would be normally. But if I understood you right, your assertion was the internet is ruining it, right? No, no, you got me, you got me backwards. Backwards. Yeah, that's no, why I was I, confused on as I was, well. You I'm said dry. yes. <laughs> you're, you're, you were affirmative to it. No, ruined I, it. I, I thought I say yay is in. It's good. Yay! It's ruining the wrestling. Ah, that's I, what the, the the actual I question was. I is the internet ruining? Okay. I have something in my ear. <laughs> I'm sorry, Narge, but you have to tell us how the internet is ruining wrestling because Mark's Mark. Well, I also know he has opinions about. Oh, about I, this, no, so. no. It, and it's, you know, it's all good. It's just, you started with, yes, it's ruining. And then you said everything that made me go, but that's pretty cool <laughs> shit right there. I'm pretty cool with that. <laughs> and I'm a, I'm not a fan, but I'm hearing right, going, right. I could see how this could benefit fans. So, so. This, is, this is me feeding Narge. So. Oh, okay. All right. Absolutely. So, so, I'm so the, we've heard, here comes, we've heard here Mark assert that wrestling is not being ruined by the internet. Mark believes the internet and all of the various uh, social media, et cetera, are benefiting the world of professional wrestling. Is that a correct statement? Yes. Okay. Narge, this is going to be tough for you because anybody that knows Narge knows this guy is like the living, breathing social media apparatus of the planet. If his phone is not in his hand, it's because his hand is in the middle of being like cut off by a surgeon. I mean, the guy's got his phone. So Narge... Please explain to us why the internet is ruining pro wrestling. It's absolutely ruining pro wrestling, and I've told Mark this numerous times. <laughs> I, growing up, the best thing about professional wrestling, everybody calls it, it's a male soap opera. And it's, it's the surprises, it's the genuine reaction that the fans give. And the internet has taken that away. They've reached in our chest and stolen it out. I can't tell you how many times I would read something in the morning on the internet and then get on and watch Monday Night Raw, AEW, and then it would happen. And I'd be like, oh, that's cool. But it's not as cool as it would have been had I not read it. Yeah. Uh, I, it there's only, I, I've told my wife this all the time. I said, there's only a handful of times in the last 10 years where I can legitimately tell you I was surprised something had happened. Mm -hmm. uh, I agree with Mark to an extent that without streaming and Peacock and all that, that we don't have the access to stuff that we have. There are times where I feel like maybe we have too much access to things where it's just like, it's so easy. It's like, I'm going to hop on YouTube and watch this match or before you really had to track it down. If you're a real fan, you had to track it down. I think I've heard Tony Khan talk about it many times. He liked the internet, but he was a tape trader. Mm -hmm. That was his thing is he had, 
you'd, you'd get on the internet and you'd, you'd find a buddy or something and you would trade tapes. And that was the only way you were going to be able to see certain matches. I know my first exposure to ECW back in the day was because of a gentleman named Nick who worked at the video store. He saw I had a wrestling t-shirt on and he asked me about ECW and I said, oh, I've read about that in a magazine. He said, well, I got these tapes. And that was cool. It was like being a part of this underground group. Or with the internet, it's just, it's, I mean, you can get on ESPN.com and read about WWE right now. You couldn't do that 20 years ago. ESPN would have laughed at you if you said you were a professional wrestling fan. The internet has also contributed, I believe, to a lot of bullying. Mm -hmm. um, Twitter is a prime example. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't remember the young lady's name, but there's the professional wrestler. Hana Kimura. Yes. Who committed suicide because of bullying on Twitter. I yeah. mean, that's just, it allows fans so much access. Was, what, 22 years old was she? 20, I believe, yeah. Super young. Yeah. Um, was close with Kenny Omega. Right. right. Close but with Asuka from WWE, too. Yeah. It just it allows a lot of access to wrestlers that fans didn't have again twenty years ago. I, I remember just thinking how cool it was to go to a show, and now fans feel entitled to offer their opinion, and it's disgusting. I mean, get in the comments. Look at the comments on whether it's Twitter or Facebook. It it just and I think it it really demoralizes some of the wrestlers as well. I know Lana spoke about this quite a bit, that her mental health was affected just because fans were just so ugly over things that really were trivial in the long run. Oh, yeah. and that, I mean, that's really how I see it. The, the Internet, it's not just wrestling. The Internet has provided an avenue for people who are comfortable saying nasty things behind a computer but would never say it to you to your face. No. And uh, that that's really where it falls for me. Does the internet run surprises? It does, absolutely. But it also allows people to be ugly uh, just for the sake of being ugly when they don't need to be. Yeah. It's uh, come a long way back in the... We all remember the uh, stories about Blassie and Piper getting stabbed in the like in the aisle on the way to the ring from fans that thought it was real. But now you got people that think it's real in the bad way, which is they know everything, all the ins and outs of all of these wrestlers and you look at people like what you were saying with Lana with Naomi but uh, yeah Naomi was catching a lot of hell for uh, Jimmy Uso getting uh, getting popped at most recently so yeah it's uh, it's definitely a slippery slope with the internet it definitely and I think what we've proven is it's got its merits and it also has a lot of negatives to it so yeah. just uh, yeah, keep that in mind, guys, when you're uh, watching wrestling or following all your wrestlers on uh, social media. Just just use your head. You know, words hurt people and sometimes more than you think they do. This is one of those segments where if you follow us on social media, whether it be Facebook or Twitter, we'd like to hear your thoughts. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I don't want to hear we, we call this the brown M&M. You guys have heard the story about Van, Van Halen's uh -huh. rider. They said take out the brown M&Ms. The reason they did it was so that they could get proof that the people reading the writers had actually read the mm -hmm. writer. So this is the part of the show where you've heard the guys debate. If I'm surmising this correctly, Mark believes that the expansion into the internet of the media, the wrestling world, has created more fans. Mike's assertion is that while it's created more fans, it's also created more spoilers, which means that a guy like him who works and has kids and all that wants to be able to sit down and watch this if it's brand new, but by the time he gets to it, 
he's already heard who won, who lost, and who's already been fired. Is that are these both correct statements? Yeah, that's it. So we want to know the brown M and M today is. We want to know what y'all think about this. When we post this podcast, there's like forty seven thousand places you can look at it. But if you go to our Facebook page, we'd love to see your comments there. That would be the best place for it. Or hit us up on Twitter. Twitter works too. Twitter works, and I mean, I think there's an Insta too, isn't there, uh, Mike? There is an Instagram Insta. as well. So, yeah. I mean, we, we, we're worldwide, baby. Oh, yeah. Doing we're, the best we can. We're always All right. watching. So, that was a pretty good debate for the first debate. Nobody lost any limbs. No teeth no, got no knocked punch, out. No punches thrown. Maybe yeah. next time we'll have a razor blade match. <laughs> is that what they're called? Razor blade match? Or do they just well, use razor blades and lie about it? Which one is it? <laughs> there's, a, there's a whole thing we can get into. That's a, that's a whole other right. can of worms, Marco. <laughs> well... So uh, the next thing that was brought up to, to be talked about tonight was a uh, we have a segment called What to Watch, and Mark decided that they should discuss the AEW Dynamite from August 4th, which was Malachi Black versus Cody Rhodes, and Mark, why don't you go start with that one? Yeah, so the idea is basically when we record, we're going to take a match from the period between the show and the show previous and highlight one match that we saw on TV and I think the best match on television this past week has been was that main event on Dynamite between Black and Cody because it surprised me. I thought it was going to go one of two ways. Either Cody wins, <laughs> because usually Cody wins, or there'd be some sort of a schmoz finish, DQ, count out, something. I thought I was surprised Arn Anderson wasn't there with Cody, but given the news, I wondered if maybe... Bobby Eaton had something to do with that because they were very close. But the match was very good. Uh, Black is one of my favorite guys in wrestling. Just his work, his the way he blends the martial arts with the technical style, with the high flying. He's just a total package. And Cody can do all of that. He can bump like hell if he wants you to. He can work with anybody no matter what size. And him and Black made a very intriguing matchup. Because Cody's an old school guy in a lot of ways. Just, you know, just he comes from that American dream school of wrestling where it's selling, it's technical, but if you need to do he can he can take a big bump, he can do a moonsault off a cage if you need to. And that went into what I thought was kind of an unnecessary spot, which was when he went through the table to the floor off the top rope. I thought it didn't really I didn't think it needed it for the match to get over. But um, there were a lot of AEW fans that thought it was one of the highlights of the match. So, I mean, I'm never going to tell a fan that they're wrong. I'm just going to make my opinions. And, you know, if you agree with them, great. If not, okay. <laughs> no biggie. But the fact that Black got the clean win really surprised me. And I'm not going to go into the aftermath yet. I'm going to let Narge say his piece, but it made for a very intriguing story going down the road. Uh, I imagine, I don't know if you agree with me on that, Narge. Um, I agree that it is the match to watch. I definitely do. It saved what was a, a lackluster AEW by definition standard. It was very underwhelming last Wednesday. It was definitely underwhelming. This, this match saved the show. They really, Malachi Black showed up and they... They displayed him as the star that he should be displayed as. That entrance was incredible. I, I missed the coffin a little bit, but the smoke and the um, the attire that he had, Yo, I mean, that, the whole thing. That hood thing was sick that he came out in. It was awesome, and I give him credit for still selling a storyline from WWE. <laughs> I, I mean, love that. 
going with the black eye still, and uh, he's kind of working that on the internet, and we can talk about that later, but Buddy Murphy's also working a similar mm-hmm. angle with that story, using the same character, so it may only be a matter of time before we see Buddy Murphy, which could be where Malachi Black heads next, because I think Cody's going to take some time off. Mm-hmm. I didn't really care for the the retirement angle. I think he's too young. Fans know that. I mean, AEW's only been around, what, two years now? Yeah. I, just, I think it was too soon. I think I think Malachi really should have put him out mm-hmm. and maybe done an injury. Something similar to what Brody did, only more convincing. Right. You know, we don't need Cody to come back with black hair. He's not right, su- right. Superman. We don't right. need any of that. Cody, go home, enjoy your wife, enjoy your baby. Mm-hmm. Let some of the other guys pick up the ball and run with it. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was definitely the match to watch. Uh, I didn't like the angle that was worked at the end, but I think I think this this gives us some time without Cody, which is always good. Um, and I think Malachi is going to really be the guy to watch. I think at some point he's... Uh, he, he's gonna he's gonna be in that main event picture. I don't yeah. I don't necessarily think with Omega right away, but mm-hmm. maybe the, the I think TNT they'll wait for Page. Fight. Yeah, but uh, with Cody, he's said before in interviews that he wants to be out of the business by forty. So I mean, there's always going to be that tease of a retirement somewhere. To do it at the end of a dynamite, I think was not necessary. That'd be something I think I would say for a pay-per-view if he's going to announce his retirement. Maybe do a career, like a career versus career match or title versus career, something like that, and give him a uh, give him an out, really. No, yeah, I, it was the wrong time. Um, and I think with all the news and the rumors of who's showing up, people know better that Cody's not going to leave when you've got maybe the two hottest free agents and most talked about wrestlers right. in the world coming into the company. Why, why would you leave? D- Dusty would have told him the same thing. Strike while the fire's hot, baby. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. in public. So. But uh, but no. On the whole, though, that was definitely the best match of the week between all of the shows on television. Uh, Black's gonna be going. I see big things for Black in AEW. I see Cody taking. I don't know if he wants to take six weeks, two months off. You know, said he's got a new baby at home that he hasn't probably spent a whole lot of time with. Because he's a busy guy doing the everything he does as an EVP with uh, with AEW. Oh, he does. No, he's got a lot on his plate. Uh, my question for you, so I think we both agree, go, Cody's taking time off. Yeah. Where does Malachi go from here? Does he get segued right into maybe a short feud with Dustin? I'm thinking Dustin. I was surprised because Dustin came out with Cody for the match. He didn't yeah. stay there. But I think he, he did come back after the match was over to check on him. But that would have been a prime spot for Black to just put a foot in Dustin's ear and knock him out and build to, like, something. Yeah, and I think the promos between those two will be incredible. Dustin, one of the best promo guys in the business for years. Uh, Malachi, just when when given the opportunity and given the time, can really deliver something special. So I think that would be a good spot for him to go. Dustin's beloved. Everybody loves Dustin, so... I think it's just another, it could be another notch in Malachi yeah. Black's belt. I just hope to God they don't put him in a faction. Oh, let no, Black, we got let Black factions. be himself. He doesn't need to be in a group. <laughs> I mean, I know Tony loves his groups, but Black needs to be his own guy. He needs to be a, the proverbial one-man gang with all due respect to George Gray. Yeah, we don't we don't need any more uh, tandems. Uh, no. 
and I mean, some of the groups we have, they don't get enough TV time as it is. So no. I, I encourage everybody to check that match out if you can find it, whether it be on YouTube, Daily Motion. I think TNT even does. Uh, if you subscribe to them, you can get on and watch previous episodes of Dynamite. So yeah, get out there, check that out. Uh, you will not be disappointed. No. All right. So over the next couple of weeks, because this podcast is bi-weekly and we have a little bit of time before the next segment, if there's a match or a promotion with a match that you're seeing in the next couple of weeks that you think everybody ought to make time for, what is it, Mike? What match do I think? <clears throat> like, I mean, they do a lot of promotion. They basically declare who's going to fight who next week, right? Uh, they usually announce some matches for yeah. shows. So what's, what's the match you're looking forward to over the next couple of weeks in any promotion that you're like, I'm going to watch that one? Um, well, you know, I will, it's about three, four weeks away, but I purchased tickets the other day. It's going to be an independent show, uh, game changer wrestling again. I'm going to bring them back up, but uh, myself, Mark and my son will be heading up to Hoffman Estates, uh, essentially Chicago, Illinois for GCW's the art of war games. And what the main event will be that night is a war games match with, uh, Nick Gage and his, uh, merry band of all stars, the, uh, MDK gang against 440. Those of you who are not familiar with that, so basically the MDK gang will be Nick Gage, Mance Warner, Matthew Justice, they're the GCW Tag Team Champions, Effie, um, Alex Cologne, and then I'm drawing a blank on the last guy. Oh, I can't remember. That's terrible. But they're going to go against 44-0, who is uh, maybe the best heel group in independent wrestling. Oh, they're doing, they're doing great work. And that's uh, RSP is their leader, Ricky Shane Page. Uh, Gregory Iron. Gregory Iron. Atticus Coger. Mm-hmm. Great worker. Eric Ryan, Bobby Beverly, and Eddie Only. So that's going to be a fantastic match. It's... I have got to figure out who I'm missing here, and I'm going to kick myself when we... Uh, when we get there, let me see. GCW. We're going to get letters. While we're waiting on Narge, uh, what about you? What do you think people should look for in the next couple of weeks? Any promotion? What's What What do you think is going to be awesome? Well, I agree with the uh, the war games, and not just because I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but no, I mean, there's, like I said, Rampage is coming week is going to be great. I mean, I haven't heard all the matches announced for it yet, but the... Uh, Pop. I'm waiting for a big pop for Britt Baker in Pittsburgh, which is her hometown. And she's going to put on a match with Red Velvet, who's come a long way since she started there. Because when she came up early, Baker beat her in, what was it, three and a half minutes or something, in a, basically a squash match. But she's busted her tail to get back up, and she's one of the more talented women on their roster. So I'm expecting a very different match between them. And like I said, I... Don't expect Britt to lose her title in her hometown on the first uh, big show, but I mean, anything can happen. That's the thing they always tell you about pro wrestling. If you go to the shows, expect the unexpected. So, I'm expecting that to really live up to the hype and the the show as a whole, the whole rampage thing. I'm looking forward to. So, yes. Nice. The name AJ Gray. No disrespect to AJ Gray. Sorry, incredibly AJ. tough individual. But again, that match. Um, I recommend you check it out. Game Changer Wrestling. They're on Fight TV. That is going yeah. to be basically war games with weapons. You will see mm-hmm. light tubes and blood and glass. And I say more than one pane of glass will be shattered in that match, I'm sure. 
it will and if you ever watch a gcw show they are not famous for tables they're famous for doors, doors yeah. so they have a whole ring full of doors i don't, I don't know, know where, where they, they find all the doors um, but there will be doors broken and bloodshed uh saturday september 4th in hoffman estates yeah the next segment is called jtr history and this is where you guys get to discuss a little bit of the <clears throat> excuse me the history of wrestling it looks like the first one up here is uh, back in august on the 8th, in 1998, Diamond Dallas Page and Jay Leno wrestled Hulk Hogan and you read Eric that right, Marco. Bischoff at the WCW Road Wild. Mark, explain to us how Jay Leno ended up anywhere near this thing. Classic Bischoff. <laughs> it's, they were doing an angle where Bischoff would go on Thunder, the uh, Thursday night show, and basically do Leno's monologue, like in a talk show parody skit. And eventually, inevitably, Bischoff and Hogan marched onto the Tonight Show, kicked Leno off, and tried to hijack the show. They got taken out by Page, and they Page and Jay Leno issued a challenge for the pay-per-view for a main event, which may go down as one of the worst main events of all time in professional wrestling. Uh, absolutely terrible. I mean, Jay gave it his best shot. I, mean, I think yeah, we both agree. Yeah, he was working to his crowd, which right. was uh, thousands of bikers and Sturgis. Here's here's what b killed it for me. There was a point where Leno and Hogan were in the ring together, and Leno grabbed an arm ringer on Hogan, and they stood there for it seemed like an eternity. <laughs> and the more you look, you just see photographers at ringside just getting pictures, and it's just you know, it's just the the rags, you know, the paparazzi getting their pictures for the magazines and everything. I was like, yeah, it's just, he doesn't care about that. <laughs> he doesn't want to be no, have yeah, put on a good match or anything, which I know it's ridiculous to criticize Leno for work rate. But, but yeah, just, I hated that WCW always wanted to insert celebrities into their main events. He was no Dennis Rodman. He was not. Or Carl sure. Malone, for that or matter. Car yeah, no, they both did exceptional yeah. work. So, so who, who was the worst celebrity Inclusion is that the right word ever? I mean, if you had to pick, like, uh, this celebrity should never have been near there. I mean, I've heard David Arquette got involved, and I mean, it, the but... worst one for me is uh, what was it, Hermie Sadler, the NASCAR <laughs> driver? That was or pretty crew, bad. He's yeah. a driver or a crew chief, I can't remember, but it was awful. It was in uh, TNA before it was Impact, and it was a tag match. It was Hermie and the Road Dog against Frankie Kazarian and Michael Shane. I remember it. And it was the three live crew was the stables, BG, The Truth, R-Truth, and Conan. And Hermie was with them. So there was interference, you know, you expect it's TNA, so there's a lot of just crash booking. But When you say Conan, you don't mean Conan O'Brien, right? No, no, Conan. Conan. <laughs> he was a great Mexican wrestler. Shout out to Conan. He's a podcast guy, too. But the finish was uh, Kazarian. On his back, Hermie, pantomimes putting a car into drive, running around in circles, pantomiming steering, and then dropping an elbow and getting a pin. Was and it the people's it elbow? It was not the people's elbow. It, no, The Rock was so much of a better elbow than Hermie. But after that, I think Frankie actually left the company for a bit after that. I think he went on to WWF, was an enhancement, not an enhancement guy, but they never really found a spot for him there. And then he came back to TNA later. But yeah, that was the worst one for me. Narge? That, that's pretty bad. Um, we, <laughs> we, <laughs> Top that, man. We could go but back to, get worse? We could go back to TNA and I, I'll, 
I distinctly remember Toby Keith showing up at mm. one point and dropping a suplex, and it was America. He literally didn't do any of the work. Double J had there. that coming. Yeah. Um, there's a lot been a lot of bad celebrities over the years. I I try to block those out of memory. So. A lot of a lot of people say David Arquette. I give Arquette a pass. Number one, because it wasn't his idea to be the world heavyweight champion, and he donated all the money he made from WCW to. Uh, deceased wrestlers' families to help them out, and I think he's made up for it over the he's years. He went made back. Up for it. Uh, he's there's a the documentary out there. Uh, you can't kill David Arquette. I believe it's what yeah. it's called. It's yeah. a great little documentary. Um, a gentleman that I spoke of earlier, Nick Gage, was in that, and uh, a lot of. Uh, I think our producer just peeled over uh, he, on yeah, live yeah, mic. Mark Marco is dying. He <laughs> might be. First episode, and our producer uh, that's a bad. Over. That's a bad sign. Uh, but I, David Arquette, I think, has redeemed himself. Nick Gage almost killed him in a match. But, uh, yeah. you know, it's a, that's the history of Nick Gage. What else do we have here? Speaking so, of history, let's move on to the next one. Okay, so the next one we got, same day, August 9th, uh, 1980. Showdown at Shea was the show in Shea Stadium. He's alive, folks. He is He's alive. Back. He's, He's okay. Alive. <laughs> so this one... It's got no, well, scotch gonna, on the rocks. Just don't drink the rocks. So I got to run down the card on this because just the names <laughs> on this. The Hangman defeated Rene Goulet. Ivan Putsky and Johnny Rods. Uh, Dominic Danucci trained McFoley against Baron Mikkelsakluna. Pat Patterson, you know, Fujinami and Chavo Guerrero Sr. The biggest three matches on here, Hulk Hogan against Andre the Giant when Hogan was a heel. Before he was Hulkamania and everything, he was with, with Classy Freddy Blassie, and it was their blow off to a short feud they had where Andre got the win on him. The uh, second one, Bob Backlund and Pedro Morales, when Backlund was the world champion, beat the Wild Samoans for the tag titles, which they had to forfeit the next day because they were actually enforcing a one man, one belt rule at the time, so Backlund couldn't hold both titles at once. And then what is widely debated as the greatest cage match of all time, which was the uh, living legend Bruno San Martino beating Larry Zabisco, who was his protege at the time, in a cage match, which was one of the most brutal cage matches I've seen. And they're both mainly technical wrestlers, but the feud that they had built up over that the course of that year was so brutal and bitter and well done, just... They sold out Shea Stadium with a cage match between a young guy that a lot of people had, didn't know a whole lot about in Zabisco and their beloved Bruno Sammartino, who was the guy before Hulk Hogan in WWF. But uh, I don't know. Have you ever seen that cage match, Narj? Um, I bit some pieces, yep. Yeah. The, the cage match, as good as it was, the, the actual heel turn was... The best part, which was uh, Zabisco when he turned on him eventually. So anybody that can find that on YouTube, I would highly recommend looking at that. But uh, we're going to move on. A, uh, a happy birthday is going out to the incredible Hulk Hogan on oh, August August 11th, of 1953 not, is his <clears throat> birthday. I'm not 100%, but I'm pretty sure that's Narja's favorite or hey, one uh, of them. One, one of my favorite, I do think that without... Um, Hulk Hogan, professional wrestling is nowhere near as large as it is today. Hulk gets a lot of haters out there, and rightfully so, from what I understand. You know, Hulk has said some things over the years, and Hulk has maybe acted yeah. in a manner that most people didn't agree with. Mm -hmm. But without Hulk Hogan, there is not the boom 
the professional wrestling saw in the late 80s, early 90s. And I think uh, it goes a long way. You know, there's a lot of Hulkamaniacs still running around out there, even though the Hulk's going to be 68 years old tomorrow. Yeah. So. so, yeah. So, happy birthday to the Hulkster. Uh, he's not this my favorite. This is for you, but... brother. <laughs> so, we got one more dimension, and we'll touch on it briefly. I mean, it's a big one, but... Uh... On August 9th, 99, uh, Chris Jericho made his Monday Night Raw debut, interrupting The Rock in Chicago. J countdown. Another debut in Chicago. We were talking about Punk. But uh, I remember the crowd exploded when he came out because he was fresh off his run with WCW. And he had, in WCW, I mean, the support he had from the fans, just everything he was doing there. He got himself over there. He got himself over, uh, even, even when they didn't want him to. And to have him come out and debut against The Rock and cut the promo that yeah. he cut, I mean, back and forth promos between him and The Rock, they couldn't have scripted it any better. No. Uh, he looked ridiculous with the hair and the shirt. The shirt. And I think he had Mr. Hughes with him. Was it that uh, Not night? yet. Uh, next week, maybe. It was, I think it was like a few weeks after that. Yeah. He had, he had Mr. Everybody had Mr. Hughes in their He was corner the bodyguard point. de jour back <laughs> in the 90s. But, uh, yeah, so that's what we have for our uh, history. We're always going to do that. I have like three or four things every uh, every show from that week. All right. It's time for what we call the throwback segment. <clears throat> Tonight, the boys are going to discuss Ric Flair versus Barry Windham, which took place on January 20th of 1987. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark, I'll have you start on that. Sure. So after uh, Bobby Eaton passed away, I went down a YouTube wormhole of Midnight Express stuff from the 80s. And along with that, uh, this match popped up, which they had wrestled before in 86 in Florida in a big show there, Battle of the Belts, which it's on YouTube. It's a great match. But Wyndham had just shown up in Crockett about four or five months before this match started, so he was still kind of finding his uh, his way there. He was one half of the U.S. tag champs with Ronnie Garvin at the time, but this was his first big singles angle was with Flair. And they'd had a like a throwaway interaction on another TV show, but this this match was, I believe, from the Greensboro Coliseum in North Carolina, and it went the, uh, the TV time limit, which didn't happen a lot. It happened a lot more then than it does now, which was basically they had a 45-minute match on television, which... If you look at Wyndham, he's to describe him to somebody that didn't watch Wyndham in the '80s. He reminds you a lot of a like a Dustin Rhodes kind of in the way he worked. He was very tall and uh, not ripped, muscular, but very athletic guy. He was a wide receiver in college. But uh, when you look at Ric Flair, and I don't need to tell anybody how great Ric Flair is, and you think of his greatest opponents, you think of Steamboat, you think of Sting, you think of Savage. I will put anything that he does with Barry Windham up against anybody because this match showed how much Ric Flair loved working with Barry Windham, whether it was later on when he was with the Horsemen or just when Barry was the white meat babyface in Jim Crockett Promotions in early 1987. And they put on a stellar match with the time limit. Barry looked great. He cut the big fiery promo at the end with the belt and said, I'm not going to take the belt. I'm going to, I'm going to leave it with Flair and beat him for it. You know, great babyface stuff, you know, and the crowd was behind him and it was just, 
proof that I think Barry was going to be the guy if circumstances had worked out. But, uh, but yeah, I don't know. Did you get a chance to watch this match, Narge? I did. I watched it on lunch, and I actually did a little research on it because I'd never saw this match before. So um, just fresh off my head, watching the match, Barry Windham could work. Incredible. I mean, was doing stuff off the top rope. Just for a man of his size back then, you didn't see it a whole lot. A lot of false finishes. Mm -hmm. Kudos to Ric Flair. Can sell his ass off. And Flair was all over the ring doing Ric Flair stuff. The bump over the ropes to the other corner. The Um, bag off. I go the bag off when you just... Oh, yeah. All all of that. And from what I understand, this match almost didn't happen. Originally, it was Ric Flair uh, scheduled to fight Brad Armstrong. Um, and from what I understand, the horseman jumped Armstrong during an interview on the NWA Pro program, so Wyndham was substituted with Flair, but it was not never advertised that way, which uh, ultimately affected the uh, the gate for the, the live event because it was scheduled to be Flair and Armstrong. Right. Had they put Flair and Wyndham, uh, perhaps the gate would have been a little bit more, but right. it did go down as a classic. I mean, just a 30-minute back and forth that really set Barry Wyndham up. This match made Barry Windham a star in the Carolinas, I think. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he was popular because he had his run with Rotunda in the WWF at WrestleMania, then he had his run in Florida. But when he came to the Carolinas, he really broke out, in my opinion. And this match, I'm actually going to post this match off of Daily Motion onto our Twitter page when the show is up, so you guys can check it out and uh, put in the comments what you guys think of it. And we uh, look forward to hearing from you. All right, that brings us to what we would call the wrap-up. Excuse me. I'm sorry, my voice is just shot after that. Uh, So we got about five minutes left just to wrap up what you guys think is coming up in wrestling, what you want to deal with in wrestling, or what you want to talk about next time. Uh, I'm looking forward forward to tomorrow night's AEW Dynamite. I look forward to that every week. That's must-see TV for me. Uh, I think after last week's lackluster show, I expect a big show tomorrow to lead into Rampage Friday. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm very curious about Malachi Black and where he goes from his angle last mm-hmm. week. I think that's going to get addressed. It wouldn't surprise me if they addressed that right at the beginning of the show. Uh, yeah. But there will be some... There's going to be something to end tomorrow night's show to lead yeah. into Rampage Friday. Yeah. I guarantee you. We're getting a cliffhanger tomorrow night. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but it's coming. It's yeah. going to be something good. Yeah. And next week we will uh, go more into SummerSlam since it's going to... Well, it's not next week, as it's the week after. So we'll it's talk about weeks, yeah. we'll talk about SummerSlam, and then uh, we'll probably actually break down an old SummerSlam match on. I don't know which one yet. I have an idea. Uh, that was my thought too. Yeah, yeah. Narge. Uh, Narge will probably be the one to pick the uh, what to watch match, the match of the week for for next time, and uh, we'll find a juicy subject to argue about again, and uh, maybe we can actually get us to come to blows on on there right now. Yeah, we'll have a razor blade match right here at the uh, table. We have uh, we have a memo out, Narch. You cannot bring a light tube to the studio. That's all right. I always keep a pizza cutter in my back pocket. So yeah, shout out to Domino's for their top notch timing at uh, <laughs> Impact at AEW the other day. When the, after Nick Gage bludgeoned Chris Jericho with a pizza cutter, they went to a Domino's commercial. It was, you, just it was, real, you realize you just gave Domino's free advertising, right? If they give me free pizza, I'll give them free advertising. If they give us free advertising, that'd be even better, right? All right. Thanks a lot, everybody, for listening. Yeah, man. Uh, uh, remember, we're a uh, bi-weekly podcast right now. Uh, 
it'll only get more frequent if it turns into something people are listening to a lot. So your best things to do are listen a lot, comment a lot, let people share. know about it a lot, and share the, yep. just share this thing. Uh, share it to everybody that likes wrestling. Yeah. And honestly, nobody's feelings here is going to get hurt. Get on there, comment, say what you like, what you don't like. That's how you mold the show the right way for everybody. Yeah. You yeah, can, uh, it's, only, it's only going to get better from here. You got to give us time to work, and uh, you know, eventually, uh, we'll we'll get this down to uh, a science. We'll get it figured out. So you can catch uh, us at JTR Pod on Twitter if you want to shoot us a comment, uh, just compliment us, uh, criticize us, whatever. Talk shit. Yeah, uh, Narge, where is your Twitter handle, sir? If they want to bug you, uh, my Twitter handle is M. Nargelinas. That's it. M N A R G E L E N A S. Yeah, and uh, uh, you can also find us on Instagram at yeah. just jumping the rail. Right. Uh, you can catch me on Twitter at Third Wheel Lefty with a three, and uh, on Facebook. If you guys check out the uh, Central Illinois Pro Wrestling Club, that's the group that we run on Facebook where we just uh, talk about wrestling news, old stuff. You know, we have. Uh, Great discussions with our members, and you're all more than welcome to jump on there and check us out. But uh, I think that's good for us. Uh, so thank you very much for checking out our first episode of Jumping the Rail. Hopefully here's to many more. So for my buddy Mike Nargelinas, I am Mark Redman. For Marco, our producer, uh, have a good one. We'll see you in two weeks. Bye.